Our scripture this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. Jesus went through the wheat fields on the Sabbath. As the disciples made their way, they were picking the heads of wheat. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the Sabbath law? He said to them, Haven't you ever read what David did when he was in need, when he and those with him were hungry? During the time when Abiathar was high priest, David went into God's house and ate the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave bread to those who were with him. Then he said, The Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. This is why the human one is Lord even over the Sabbath. The word of God for the people of God. So as I said at the beginning of worship, we are concluding our series today on what if God were one of us today. During this period, we've been thinking about some new revelations, maybe about God and hopefully about ourselves, and in particular some new revelations about how we are to represent God in the world today, because we believe that's how God is with us, that God is one of us today through the church and through each one of us. So on this final week, we consider what it means for us to observe Sabbath, to be a people who, yes, work, but also rest. I remember a time when. You know, when you say something like that, it really makes you sound old all of a sudden, right? You have to be a certain minimum age to say, I remember a time when. But I remember a time when. I remember a time when the grocery store and the gas stations were closed on Sundays. I remember a time when you couldn't get a repair person to come to your house and do an emergency repair because it was Sunday. I remember a time when you couldn't sell or buy alcohol or tobacco because it was Sunday, right? I remember a time when there was no such thing as organized youth programs on Sunday, I remember a time when the most fun we had as Baptists was getting out of church early so we could get to the restaurant before all the Methodists got there. (laughs) Anyone else besides me awash with the nostalgia of the time when, right? We think of that time. We think of that time as the time when families all came to church, when men wore a suit and a tie, women wore dresses, a nice hat, and pretty little gloves. The children acted like perfect little angels, and the pastor wore a beautiful robe and stole and preached from the pulpit every Sunday. The times when, right? The times when we had ample volunteers around the church, enough money to have all the ministries and missions that we wanted. When we received new members almost every single uh, Sunday, Children were constantly being baptized or confirmed in the church. The days when everybody in America went to church on Sunday because there was nothing else to do. Amen? Right? The good old days. How many of you remember the good old days? How many of you know that there was never such a thing as the good old days? Realistically, there wasn't such a thing. It's kind of a fantasy that we have created for ourselves. What we know is is there are people who in their lives were engaged in the Sabbath, they practiced the Sabbath, and there were people who weren't, even in generations past. 
My paternal great-grandfather was born in 1898, and my great-grandmother was born in 1903. They lived in Butler, Missouri. My great-grandmother was a member of the Nazarene Church in Butler, Missouri. And when she was in town and healthy, when Sunday came, she was in church. But not my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather worked seven days a week, all the way until the day he died, December 28, 1974. As far as I know, he never went to church. I don't even know if he owned a suit and tie. And he never rested. He always worked. Think about with me what it means for us to observe the Sabbath. There's a story about a young pastor who was eager to try and to improve his sermons. And so he decided that he would start recording the worship services and he'd sit down and he'd listen to himself and, and see if he could learn some things about himself. So he started recording the worship services. And one Sunday after he had finished lunch, he went online and he found his, his sermon series and his worship services and he started playing them back. And As he was sitting on the sofa listening, he began to pay attention to all the elements of the worship service. The opening hymns and the hymn of praise. He also listened to the call to worship, the children's moments, the prayer time, the scripture reading. All of them came forth with excellence just as he expected them to. Then the moment came for the sermon. When the pastor woke up from his nap, (laughs) the choir was singing the closing hymn. If you think about Sabbath, for some of us, that means that we get a good 20 to 25 minute nap on Sunday morning as the preacher starts up and and begins to start sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Wah, 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 wah. For the others of us, Sabbath is about hearing God's invitation, I believe, to rest and to refresh. If God were one of us today, I think God would still be inviting every single one of us to find that time in our lives where we rest, And we are refreshed to remind us that we need to work, but we need just as much the Sabbath. That the Sabbath was created for us to rest and renew. Allie mentioned uh, the Genesis story and, and her children's sermon, the six days in which God created all things. God separates light from darkness. He creates sun, moon, and stars. God creates the earth and separates dry land from the oceans and then populates the sky and the land and the waters with all of these living creatures. God makes humans to dwell with and in whom he can entrust now stewardship over all of creation. And when God gets to the end of all of that, God says that all of it is good, and then the scriptures say that God himself rests, proclaims the day to be holy, and God rests. If you think about the law that's then iterated to Moses to give to the people in Exodus 20, that becomes apparent again in what God proclaims for the people. God says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Nothing in our lives, including our vocations, should ever come before God. And that we should remember who God is and not use the Lord's name in vain. And then remember the Sabbath. Treat it as holy. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day, that is dedicated to the Lord, you should rest on the seventh day. Now the problem with this is by the time of Jesus, the legal experts had taken the law, they had honed it, they had pared it down 
to a fine point. And there is evidence to say that, that they now had implications put upon this and how they interpreted it. They had brought in some new aspects of the law to say that you couldn't even work in certain areas as a daily practice even on the Sabbath. So gleaning and threshing were one of those things. Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field. The disciples are plucking from the heads of the wheat to eat the grain. And the Pharisees that are with them say, Your disciples are working. They're violating the Sabbath. So Jesus responds, as he typically does, with a story. David. David went into God's house once upon a time, steals the bread of God's presence that is reserved for the high priest. And then David eats the bread and feeds his companions that are with him. Jesus tells a story about David. Uh, The only problem is, is Jesus gets the details of the story all wrong. He's quoting a story out of 1 Samuel 21. And in this story, actually it says that David is all by himself. He has no companions that are with him. It doesn't say anything about anybody being hungry, David or anyone that might have been with David. And David doesn't enter the house of God. David actually enters the house of the high priest. The high priest, of course, at that time was Ahimelech, not Abiathar. And even though David took the bread in 1 Samuel 21, it doesn't say anything about David even eating the bread. Jesus tells a story that has all the details wrong. Now, you've got to ask, did Jesus forget the story? Was Jesus pranking the Pharisees, or did Mark get the story wrong? If you, if you look at a couple of the commentaries, William Plaker, respected New Testament scholar, he simply suggests that the point of Jesus in this moment is to show that these folks have become eager to burden the common people with these heavy details of the law while ignoring the scriptures themselves and the content and the context of them. See, Jesus has challenged his rabbinic tradition because they had come under the assumption that humans were created for the Sabbath, not the Sabbath being created for us. Jesus told them that their story, their understanding of things was all wrong. They have gotten the details wrong. I wonder how many of us have been confused a little bit about the purpose of the Sabbath in our lives. If God were one of us today, God would be inviting all of us to rest, especially in the 21st century. I think that more than any other time in human history, we need Sabbath. We need worship. We need rest. We need renewal. Because we might have forgotten what the Sabbath is about. That it was created for our benefit. Now, we know that today the blue law is gone, but even though the blue law is gone, that means that all that we have done is just simply expanded our week. What used to contract it to six, now we can do anything we want seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. We can become overworked. We can stress ourselves. We can strain ourselves. We can stretch our lives. We can let them bleed over into any day of the week. We can put in more and more hours in the office for the purpose maybe of having more or whatever it is that we do. We work harder to provide for our families. Our kids no longer are simply confined to doing things on Saturdays. They now do things on Saturdays and Sundays. And if they're in some kind of sporting extracurricular activity, they also do things during the week because we've got to take them to practices, right? And so we don't parent maybe as much 
as chauffeur these days. And yes, I'm preaching to the preacher, not just the choir, right? I mean, one of the greatest benefits for Margaret and I when our girls was, were growing up is when they got a driver's license in their own car, amen? Because then they could take themselves to their own things and we could start resting just a little bit in our lives. Sabbath, the time for Sabbath. Jewish scholar Abraham Heschel once wrote that the Sabbath provides a day of detachment from the vulgar world, of independence, of external obligations, a day of which we stop worshiping the idols of technological civilization, a day in which we use no money, a day of armistice in economic struggle with our fellow humans and the forces of nature, a day to rest from all these things. The 16th century German Catholic priest Martin Luther in his large catechism, of course, makes mention of this, that we should all have a time that is set aside for worshiping God, that we should keep the Sabbath since nature teaches and demands that we common people have time to retire for rest and refreshment. If you're not finding time to rest in God, if you're not taking advantage of the Sabbath where your body's mind's spirits rest and are refreshed, then how can you invite anyone else to come experience the Sabbath? To experience worship, renewal, refreshment. I think we live in a time, friends, where it's needed. The invitation to invite others to come and experience a Sabbath, rest and renewal. No other time have we experienced more in our culture when it comes to anxiety, depression, and stress-related illnesses. We live in a time where it's easier and easier to take medications for these things. We live in a time with a crisis of the opioid addiction rate that's skyrocketing because people are looking for ways to escape, to alleviate themselves of pain, anxiety, depression, stress, to find rest from these things. We live in a time where we are completely out of balance and the world does not have the right answers to these problems. Amen? Do you agree? Amen? Come all of you who are weary and I will give you rest, said Jesus. Rest of body, which needs it. Rest of our minds, which certainly needs it, but also Rest of our spirits, for our spirits need to find comfort and rest. Jesus invites us to come and enjoy the Sabbath as a time that is for our benefit, our rest, and our renewal. And I am one that believes in this. I'm one that believes it in the corporate nature of worship as a place where our spirits come to be refreshed and renewed, where they come to rest from all the things of the world, to lay down our burdens and to pick up the joy of the Lord as our time together, but to go home and find rest of body and mind as well. To do these things, all of these things, as a holistic way of understanding the Sabbath. Because you can neglect your soul and you'll never be completely rested or refreshed. So I think about it as a church, as an organized religious institution called St. John's United Methodist Church, how do we sponsor Sabbath? How do we call not only you but our community to Sabbath? I promise that one way is is that we're going to continue to have Sunday morning worship services. So that's an announcement for you, just in case. You can put it down every Sunday, worship, 
except for maybe weather, but worship for the most part. And for us to take advantage of that, to come weekly, find rest and renewal of body, mind, and spirit, but to be reminded that we are gathered together to also invite our neighbors to come and experience Sabbath. To have the opportunities that are creative, adaptive, and flexible enough for us to engage those who are around us. So let me ask you this first. How important is the Sabbath to you? Because God created it for you. A day of rest and renewal. A day to worship. A day that could be set apart and holy. God is with you today. God is with us today. God is inviting every single one of us to come and to find this rest. Because God has set this day apart for that very thing. So I ask you, is that an integral part of your life? Because God intentionally created it for you. Here's your golden nuggets for today. Some things to take away and think about, and then your invitation. Uh, of course, we, I think we all know that you know, those good old days that we assumed where everybody came on the Sabbath and we all rested really isn't a, a true notion of things. We've battled this. We've battled that need to find margin in our lives to find rest. And Jesus understood that there was a, a moment in time where those that were the religious elites had kind of reversed the order. They thought humans were created for the Sabbath when in reality the Sabbath was created for every single one of us. And Jesus wanted to invite people to that rest and the renewal that God had in mind for them. And in our 21st century context, we really need margin. We need rest. We need Sabbath. We need for those things to be present in our lives, for us to value them so that God might provide for us. But to also think about our neighbors. Because the message isn't just for us. Sabbath isn't just for the church. God created it for all humans. So how do we invite our neighbors to Sabbath? I don't envision us ever changing anything on Sunday mornings here at St. John's. We do exceptional traditional worship, and that is what we are known for. But I've come to realize that we're limiting our neighbors to our preferences of 8.30 and 10.45. If you're willing to come to church at those two time slots, we'll welcome you right into the doors, right? But maybe it's time for us to be creative and to think about some things that are new for us and some opportunities for us. And so I'm going to invite anybody who's willing to think about how we broaden our understanding of worship and Sabbath to maybe be more invitational to our neighbors to come and join me in a conversation about this. Uh, there's a, some writers, some great writers by the name of Heifetz, Linsky, and Grashow. They wrote a book called Adaptive Leadership, and they said a leader should never go it alone on any idea, initiative, or project that's vital to an organization. So I have no intentions of going it alone. I need you. If you're interested in what it means for us to welcome our neighbors in creative and new possibilities... I want to talk to you about what the Sabbath might mean for others beyond us. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and holy God, as we come to this moment, we come first thinking about our own need for rest and renewal and Sabbath. What it might mean for us to count this day as set apart, holy, given to you given to you in such a way that you renew us, that you give back to us what we long for, that rest and the refreshment. 
that our bodies might have that time to recover, our minds might be able to think upon and dwell upon the things of you and not the troubles of the world, that our souls might be renewed and refreshed by your Spirit. That's what the Sabbath is for. To teach our kids what it means to take time to rest and to renew, to find the Sabbath to be holy, to find that balance that you just are calling us forth to experience in our lives. But to also think about the people that are beyond us, who long for and are looking for that kind of margin in their own lives. To be a bold enough community that might think creatively in the ways in which we might engage, sponsor, welcome, invite, and create newness through Sabbath practices. Oh Lord, we pray that you inspire us. Help us to to gain a vision of something that we might be able to also, as an addition, offer to who we are. Pray, O God, these things in the name of your Son, the one in whom we find rest today. Amen. I'm going to invite our